wife got me the um, what is it? The uh, digital bagpipe, Flagerstorm, Fragger Storm, Flagger Storm. Yeah, whatever that? that is. So I had to get um, an audio interface that took MIDI controllers so that I could like plug it in and jam on the computer. Yeah. So I had to buy a second interface, and so I've got two, and then I had all the mics for the podcast. So. You ever use that uh, that as a um, a MIDI controller for other instruments? You know, like bring up GarageBand or something. No, <clears throat> I only I'm running Windows, and the only thing I have is I, I paid and bought um, Universal Piper. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that software before, but basically it has a bunch of recordings of old Glens, old Hendersons, old Lowrys, small pipes, Elin pipes, and you can go in and select what you want to play in drones or no drones. You can change pitch and things like that so that is pretty cool that's that's exactly what what's making me want some red pipes or or some uh or one of them there uh blair one of, yeah one of them there blairs mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see well thanks for being willing to do this man sorry for the short notice no you're fine i appreciate you being willing to jump right on it um well let's see here you and i have kind of done this before because you uh, did that kind of test podcast with me. What, has it been a whole year? Was it last fall? Yeah. It's Whew. been a while. Man. The older I get, the faster time moves, huh? It may have even been... Has it been longer than that? No well, way. It may have, I'm trying to think about Wasatch. Like, I got into Wasatch. I tried out in, like, September, and then we started up in October. And I just don't know if it happened before or after I was in Wasatch, but... Hmm. We might have mentioned it in it. We could probably go back and listen to the episode. Or the recording, rather. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man. Um, I don't mean to be repetitive and stuff, but let's uh, let's do that. What's, uh, here, here we are. Okay, so here's one thing I was thinking about today. And we're, maybe we're not diving into this yet. Um, I need to be able to put, like, a title and write-up for each episode. Yep. So do I put, um, like, Mike, comma... Wasatch and District, because is that the interest point? That like here are interviews with people from Garden Valley, here are interviews with people from Wasatch and District, mm-hmm. etc. Or do I put Swan, you know, and just let everybody pick their own nickname? Or do I put so Mike Bagpiper? You, you know what I mean? You, yeah, where are you putting the white write-up? Um, well, you know, I haven't looked at all the different, um, all the but different stuff yet. You're talking about on the hosting platform, right? On the, I'll be if I host it on Podbean, then it's basically got like a little page for each episode. So yeah, you're going to have a you're going to have a description for the um the fee for the episode. Mm-hmm. So in the description I'd Yeah, Mike Swan is a bagpiper at the Wasatch District or Mike Swan bagpiper at Wasatch District pipe band or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think yeah, with all of your people um you can start with their name and then I'd put kind of what it is they do and maybe you're not maybe you're gonna expand beyond drummers and pipers right maybe it's gonna be like mom of two bagpipers mm. or whatever you know? yeah however you do whatever you do but that's a that's a good good idea like i think we've talked about it before that like I, I've, I've out of necessity started to subscribe more and more to this idea that uh done is better than perfect and mm-hmm. you know just just get it done just get something going but at some point, you know, at points like this, you do have to kind of pause and make a little plan. And so I'm trying to think, like, what's a format that can be usable forever, you know, for all the rest of the episodes? So, like, if this episode is called 
Mike Swan. And then in the write-up, it's Mike Swan is a piper with Wasatchin District, etc. Oh, I see what you're saying, like the actual title of the episode. Uh, right, or do I put Mike Swan, comma, Wasatchin District? So then as you scroll through, you can see everybody who's been interviewed with Wasatchin District or everybody who's been interviewed with the Waspaba Board or, you know, whatever it is, whatever entity they're from. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. I think it's more... I think the more interesting point should be that person than rather than what organization they're with. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah. It's a, uh, that could Just be a, it's like a branding decision that we're talking about people here, yes. not, not necessarily yeah. organizations. Right. Excellent point. That's my thought, but it's your cast. Right? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I would, I definitely wouldn't be doing this if it, if you hadn't said, Hey, you, you know, cause we're so, all right, maybe this is where the podcast starts that, you're 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 a good friend of mine who I trust a lot, and we were talking once, without hot wings, unfortunately, but we were just talking. Mm. Um, and I mentioned to you that I had told the the leaders, the band leadership in Garden Valley, that I'd try to think of something to do to kind of help us all feel connected and um, involved during this COVID stuff. Right. And you were like, "Hey, do that podcast." Because you and I had talked about podcasting before. Yeah, well, like, for me, it's definitely, uh, it was, it's it's definitely, like, one of my pastimes, one of my hobbies. I don't really listen to the radio. I just plug into podcasts every morning and download, like, the newest thing. But, um, I think in, in listening to different people's podcasts, especially, like, the Joe Rogan format, or, um, to bring it back to, like, piping-related things, like, Andrew Douglas on the Piper's Dojo when he does the long form. Interviews. I love those. Yeah. Right. Exactly. There's so much to be gained about like learning about people and their uniqueness and what they've gone through and how they've come to where they've gotten. And mm-hmm. um, like, I think that's more, I shouldn't say more valuable, but like at times, you know, at times I want like, I want recipes. I want like step-by-step instructions on how to do things, improve or how to get to where I'm going whatever my goal is. Um, and other times it's just learning more about the other side of the fence or someone else's view or, or learning about where somebody is and where the thought process is, right? There, there's more interesting aspects in the person. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's two, there's two fields, right? You can, you can go for the end goal of a result or you can go for, let's learn about somebody. Let's, expand our horizon right yeah and i think that's what the long form is and i think that's like joe rogan um duncan trussell yeah yeah right. all the, all the spinoffs like, from joe basically <laughs> yeah but you know and not like i know he's the most popular podcast out there and so like i don't want to like just stick it to him right right is the one example but i i listen to for instance i listen to podcasts that are all about um marketing hmm. and the podcast will be specifically just Here's the marketing technique. Here's how we did it. You know, here's our results. Here's where we failed. Here's things to look out for, how to implement it. It's that step-by-step. It's that recipe. It's, you know, follow, follow in my footsteps. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other things, the other podcasts that I listen to, and they're more, what's the word I'm trying to say? They're, I stick with them longer, right? 
like those marketing podcasts, I get really amped up and I listen to them for a couple months and then I kind of drop them and replace them with something else. Mm-hmm. But then there's like the, the juicy ones where it's like, you're just getting to know somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And while you're not in the same room with them, like that relationship kind of builds, or at least you get into their life. Similarly to like why celebrity is celebrity, right? You've gotten into their life yeah. and it doesn't go both ways, right? Hollywood isn't in our lives, which is why it's awkward when fans approach them or like, you know, do crazy things because they think they're on like mentally they're on this one level with that celebrity. Cause you've seen their intimate side and you've been in their house or they're in their life anyway. Right. Their career. The, the yeah. fan feels like they've known them for years. They've known the celebrity for years and know them well. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my thought process when I suggested doing the podcast, right. Is like, getting to know where everyone's come from, you know, like I know, I, I would say I know a good chunk of, of your story, of Diana's story, of Sean's story, of Alex, of his story, but like even Susan, like I've played with Susan for a number of years, right? But um, I guess there's a big gap from before I started playing. Like when I joined in to White Peaks, she was there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going back and and having that, distribution of everyone's story i think is is really positive and and beneficial in creating camaraderie or at least you know letting people see things from your point of view Mm. well i can tell you that at this point right now i've interviewed um as we're recording this i've interviewed nine people and it's been nothing but awesome for me i've loved getting to know everybody a little more and that's people who are relatively new to the band who I didn't know outside of Garden Valley Pipe Band and also mm-hmm. people who I've known, like, in Diana's case, I've at least kind of known her since I was a kid, you know? Right. Um, and and still, I learned new things about her, so it is a lot of fun. I'm, so I'm really glad you poked, poked, poked me in this direction. It's been a lot of fun already. Yeah, of course. And um, to that note, I mean, picking up right there, when you started playing with White Peaks and Susan was already there. Is that where your piping started or did you uh, start elsewhere? Uh, no, before that. So I can kind of give you like a little rundown, right? Yeah, pick me up like like feel... if it's when you were three years old and you heard your first bagpipe, go back that far. However far mm-hmm. back it goes, take it back. Okay, you want me to give you like a, a quick fast overview and you want to interject and we can stop and expand or do you want to give me like, you want me to give you like a deep dive or, or how do you want me to how about for you? How about give me... Give me kind of an overview version, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll pause you and ask questions as we, as you go through. Okay, cool. So um, bagpipes for me have just always been the coolest thing, and I, I mean I guess I I probably thought they were just awesome, but like I th- there's probably influence there too. Like I remember my dad telling me how much he liked the pipes, but um, always in a parade, like that was what I looked for, or at least you know I thought the floats were cool. You know I'm six years old, it's cool, it's whatever, but there was definitely like when you hear the pipes three blocks down the street, like mm. you're looking forward to those more than just some, some float, some boat or some marching band or something. But so then, um, I moved to, uh, moved to Santa Quinn and going to Payson and get exposed to piping and drumming there. Right. Mm. Because because the high school has the band. Right. That And that actually, Swan, if you don't mind, we might actually use your story to help explain a few things. Like a lot of the other interviews that are going to be on here that people listen to, they'll hear things like like 
about Payson or about Dawn, et cetera. And maybe there's not an explanation of what these things or people are. So maybe that's useful. So Payson High School has a high school pipe right. band. And at, at least when you were a kid, there was also a junior high chanter class, right? Yeah. So when I, so when I got into it, um, so I should say, first off, like I knew I wanted to learn pipes and so registration comes, um, I'm, I guess I'm in seventh grade, so I'm in the middle school and it's like, select the classes you want for the next year. Right. And so you, you select them and you know, you don't know if you're going to get them or you're not. Depends on how many they can fit in the class. So at the end of summer, we're getting ready to start eighth grade and I get my schedule in the mail from the junior high and it has the bagpipe class listed. Right. And I guess I didn't understand the whole organization of like the high school having the band and things like that. But, um, I knew that bagpipes was an option when I was registering for classes and I wanted to, so I selected it and I guess I didn't know, I didn't even know what a practice channel was. I, I guess I thought I'd probably be learning big bagpipes. I don't know. I just wanted to get into it. And, um, <clears throat> I think, I guess it's hard for me to figure out what happened when I know at some point, um, I saw tenor drummers and I thought that was the coolest thing. And I was like, I want to, I didn't know they were called mallets, right? I want to spin the drumsticks. I want to spin the mallets. I want to play tenor drums. And so that was in my mind. And I don't know if that happened when I was in junior high or if it was after I started learning bagpipes. I think it had to have been before because I, th I remember thinking like, I'll get into the bagpipe class and that will be my foot in the door. And then I can get into tenor drumming. But um, anyway, so eighth grade, I'm going to take the uh, bagpipe class. And so um, now, now this, I guess is pretty unique, right? There's only at this time, maybe even still, there was only two high schools that were teaching bagpipes, like within the high school program. That's at least in Utah, right? I in think Utah. That's what there might've been yeah. some others in California, but yeah, at least here. In Utah. Yeah. You know, so in Utah, right? It was Ben Loman and Payson. And so, um, so that's built into it, right? And they had a beginning chanter class. And at the time, Lynette Etheridge was um, the instructor. And I know she had been the year previous as well. And she was the high school instructor for the band. And so it was kind of like, you know, get them in the system, get them on the practice chanter. You've got a year or you've got two years if you go eighth and ninth grade. And then you get into the high school. And so, like, that made an easy transition to go playing full pipes with the high school. So, and that was that was so that was all Lynette from from the time you started to when you joined the pipe band. It would be all Lynette running it. The high school program, yeah. So, uh, James, I don't know if anything if you just changed something, but you're coming through pretty quietly. So, how's this? Is this any better? Yeah, I just don't want you to get mixed audio. No, I appreciate that. I I actually changed a setting on the snowball. I just could see in the monitor that I was getting a bunch of like static sound yeah but i don't know does it sound no, like now good. i need a pop filter or is it coming through okay <clears throat> no i mean just turn your head slightly when you do plosives and it should be good so um lynette had just had her baby and so she was not there at the beginning of the year so don smith he um was taking over the chanter class for a number of weeks um, until Lynette came back from maternity leave. 
and and Don Smith, he's a he was a uh, a junior high math teacher. Correct. Yep. But also the founder and pipe major slash runner of White Peaks. Of White Peaks, Pipe right? Based so, in Payson. Yeah. So, um, you know, my understanding, and I'll, I guess I can kind of get that in a minute, but like my understanding is that, uh, you know, you go through the high school program and there's nowhere left for you to go close by, right? You can go up to Salt Lake Valley or something and play. And so um, Don put together White Peaks. And then I'm sure he's got his own ambitions, right? And his own desires. Like he likes bagpiping and and to start your own band and run your own band and to grow that and succeed. So like I'm sure that that has to be in your mind as well. But um, he picked up a number of pipers that were just, they'd gone through the, the program they knew how to play and they just were left around and nothing close by. So anyway, um, he was teaching the class that goes on for a number of weeks. Lynette Etheridge comes back. She takes the class back over. I go through that. And I mean, that was only like four weeks, six weeks, something like that before she was back. So not even a full term or semester in school. And then, uh, she was back to it. Um, Come January, uh, I tried out for the high school for the band. So I had I'd gotten my set of pipes. Uh, that's what I'd asked for for Christmas. My parents were gracious enough to get me a set. And, and, and uh, how old were you this time? So that was 2000. I was in eighth grade. Um, how old are you in eighth grade? 14? 14 or 15? Yeah, I guess I could right. do math, right? I was born in 87, so I was around 13 or 14. And um, so then, yeah, so go to the high school program, tried out, got to the high school program, um, played there for a couple of years. Uh, Lynette ended up moving out of state, and, um, and then Carrie Welton came in as an instructor. And at the same time, I had been playing with White Peaks, right? So... Um, I'm playing with the high school. You know, I'm I'm out of I'm out of the junior high class. I'm into the full high school band. It's now like what tenth grade, eleventh grade, or something. Lynette leaves. Um, Carrie Welton, which was a previous pipe instructor, she came back in to make sure there was an instructor. You know, I remember her saying that she she'd heard that there was no instructor in order to take over, and and I remember her saying something to the effect of like, I'm not going to let the Payson program like fail or, or disappear or whatever. So she came, stepped in. Right. So she, she had run the program. Lynette had taken over the program. Now Lynette Correct. was leaving. So Carrie came back to keep it alive. My understanding. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember when I was playing with white peaks. So Lynette was also playing with white peaks at some point. Um, and then she'd stop playing with them. And I was playing with white peaks. Heather Herbert was my pipe major. A year older she, than me. She taught me how to play. Very good. Very good. Yeah, that's where I yeah, learned so in Heather's she, basement. Very nice. Yeah. So she was um uh she was playing with White Peaks. I forget if anyone else was I like, I bet Sean was. Do you think Sean yeah, would have been by then? I think so. And Amber at some point. Like they, oh, I mean yeah, they Amber, all made yeah. it there at some point. I just don't remember when what was happening. I remember it was a very touchy thing, like Oh, Vera. Like, Didn't Vera go play with the White Peaks instead of the high school pipe band? I don't know. Like, I think Vera and I are have a bigger age gap than would span uni- uh, oh, high school. Oh, I see. So maybe the years don't quite line up there. Yeah. 
But um, but I remember Don saying things like, I guess I'm probably getting too deep into the subject. I'm supposed to be giving you a quick overview. Well, anyway, um, playing with White Peaks, playing with the high school, I ended up dropping the high school in like 11th grade, I think is when it was. Uh, play with White Peaks for a number of years, go on a mission, come back, play with them for a couple of years, start university, and that's when things got a little bit wild as far as scheduling goes, and so I just... I couldn't do it. I stopped. That was uh, Utah Valley University, UVU? Correct, yep. No bagpipe program there yet. Nothing yet, right. So then uh, then I ended up, um, well, I guess I didn't play for like eight years. That's a long break. Were you playing, did you get them out yourself sometimes? So, or did, so were you pretty yeah, much like, in the closet? Yeah, no. Um, of course, like every girl you date, it's like, when they find out, they think it's cool. Right, you got to go Or they at least, then. they pretend that it's cool. They're like, you have <laughs> yeah. to show me, right? And so, you know, you do that. And then, um, you know, funerals here and there. Um, you, did you have, you have any family members who in particular really liked it? So they'd be like, you know, family reunions or something like that. They'd be like, hey, Mike, bring your pipes. <laughs> um, you know, I, on my dad's side, we had a family reunion a couple times that, um, where they do talent shows. And I... Um, played at them and and yes like it's one of those like I also wasn't like I didn't throw it out in people's faces like I'm I'm very cautious about how loud they are Mm. so I don't like to play like in my house I don't like to play around people Um, and I'm fine like I'm fine if people want to come up and listen and I mean it's cool it's it's like I don't want to show up at a park where somebody is playing with their kids and all of a sudden 110 decibels later, like they're annoyed. Right. So, yeah. So, um, so you're not, you're not one like I'll admit to be who, uh, you know, like puts huge bagpipe stickers on their car and all their email addresses <laughs> since they were 12 years old have been like bagpiper I mean, number like, one. And <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that, right. Like, like I have an email address that has Piper in the name, right. Everybody's got to have at least one. It, yeah, exactly. So and like my retainer for my braces has the White Peaks logo. Oh, does it really? That's the awesome. Yeah, like, uh, was, yeah, I got a little it, was stupid that the, obsessive. The running bagpiper, the stick figure logo. That's right. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I've got a T-shirt with that on it. Yeah. So like, yes, I've done stupid things, right? Not stupid, but like, it's yeah, a culture that I love, stupid, right? But yeah, I got, you, I got, I get you what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But as far as playing this instrument, right? I wasn't it's just so loud. It's like I gotta play where no one can hear me. So, um, but anyway, so, you know, I, I do some funerals, I do some memorials, like, you know, once a year for Memorial Day, my cousin, he's part of a, a motorcycle club and they organize the ride for the fallen soldier. And, um, anyway, it ends up going up to the veteran cemetery up at the point of the mountain. And I play my bagpipes for that while they put flags on the graves and things like that. That's pretty cool. Do you still do that now, or was that more, he, you know, something? He hasn't. Past? He they didn't do it last year, and then with COVID, they didn't do it this year. Sure, yeah. I'm not sure what happened last year. If it's something they've stopped, it did get um, kind of repetitive, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But what one thing that they were doing as a tradition every year is they would take gold star families, which are families who's lost somebody in the military, right? Right. And the gold star families would get up and talk about that person. There was a family there that lost a son and somebody there that lost a husband. And so you're also 
only within the crowd of people that are riding motorcycles, right? So there's only, you know, local, rides a motorcycle, gold star family. There's only so many that fit that criteria. Oh, uh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So like after four or five years, it's like, and I don't mean this in any, like in any negative way, but it is the same story. It is the same families. And I wasn't annoyed by that. And I wasn't like, why are we doing this again? I've heard this like utmost respect, but I don't know if that had a, a part to do with it, that it's just kind of like, it's a repetitive thing or maybe not, maybe just scheduling, maybe it's too expensive to organize the event. I don't know, but they yeah. didn't do it two years ago. And then I'm yeah. assuming this year, if they had plans, COVID, COVID stopped it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of bagpiping stories between then and where I'm going to now, but as far as my piping journey, um, when Wait. Zach died. Yeah. Right. That's where I'm going. Um, pulled out my pipes to play at the funeral along with like every other bagpiper in the state and just realized like how much I missed it and how much I missed the camaraderie and the friendship and how much I enjoyed playing. And that's really what got me like kickstarted. And like I had played once or twice, like I had gone to a practice that, um, with garden Valley, Zach could, I ran into him at one of the Scottish festivals because, you know, I'd still show up to the Scottish festivals and, and hang out. I really liked the culture and the pipes and the music. Um, so he invited me out to a practice and I came to one, but I didn't stick around and play with the band. Yeah, I remember when you came and I was all excited to see you. But then we also were shorthanded for teachers. And so we were like, Mike, could you could you help us teach? And then <laughs> I was kind of like, ah, man, I don't know if that was the best impression to make on a guy if we wanted to get him back into piping. Like, <laughs> come volunteer for us, you know? No, like... Um, no, pipe, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I didn't mind that, you know? I mean, that was one of the things White Peaks did too, right? Is they taught before. Yeah, I went we to those classes have, when I, those lessons yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. In fact, that's, well, I think the first time I met you was actually at Heather Herbert's house because you were hanging out over there cooking bacon, if I remember correctly. That sounds uh, like me. Burnt to a crisp. Then, mm, then, you wrapped it it up, th- then you wrapped it up in, uh, in uh, a paper towel to get rid of every last little bit of anything even resembling liquid. And then you would dig in. I think oh, that was man. the first time I met you. But shortly there, that, right? that definitely sounds exactly like me. Although I have evolved, right? Now I see that liquid grease as flavor. So, no, so but look it's at, still look crispy. At you. Crispy bacon. You know, actually, and not not to throw it off the tracks, but I do remember as I got I got to know you better at White Peaks during those classes because Zach and Diana and I would go to those lessons before the practice uh, when we were playing with the high school band and. Um, and you were the one who told me that I was gripping my chanter too hard and that I needed to think of it as a varnished turd. Mm-hmm. And I have used that with every single student I've ever had ever since. I mean, <laughs> See, that sticks like, with you. Yeah. Well, and, but it's not something original that I came up with either, right? Like Don instructed me. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure it goes way. back beyond Don to, you know, the the primordial origins of the bagpipe. It's piping lore. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part of the lore. You know, this is back to the swamps of of uh of syria or wherever the bagpipe first first came into being for sure um yeah well anyway so though uh after zach's funeral and i decided i missed it too much i came back to play with garden valley played with them for a season and then um and like i say we can get into more details and everything but at the end of that season uh tried out with the wasatch group for their grade two and 
and that's currently where I'm at. And congrats, by the way. That's uh, thank you. And uh, I, I talked about it with Sean a little bit, um, just because most of this audience is going to be Garden Valley. I'm sure they all will agree with me that everybody yeah. really likes you. And with that, well, nobody feels upset about you going to play at the Grade Two band. That's a great opportunity. I'm glad everybody's cheering you on. I'm glad. Thank you. Also, I don't know that everybody likes me. And thirdly, if Kevin listens to this, when making bacon pancakes, you have to cook the bacon first. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just to wrap that bacon comment back in there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, if Kevin's listening to this, get get back on your pipes. Kevin, <laughs> get back on your pipes. Come back and play. Cool, man. That's an so, excellent overview. Thank you. Yes, um, and it's very... I mean, that's... 20 years condensed so super condensed. wherever you want to go we can take this well i'm curious uh so we've hit the bands but i'm curious about your soloing do you uh, play a lot of solos or is it something that you prefer to not focus on so much because you're focused i mean I, i'm sure right now you're very focused on the grade two material yeah but so in general I, uh, yeah so i never no i never really soloed i soloed um when i was playing with white peaks after i got back from my mission I soloed at two events. So oh, I, and that, that was it, huh? That was it. So in more recent years when you've done like, I know you did the Glen Wild. We were both there at Jeff Mann's yep. Glen Wild uh, concert series. Uh, that was, was my fifth solo ever. Wowzer, really? Yes. You did the 6-8, I remember. P. Brook of Donald Dew. Correct. One of my favorite tunes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I played um, a couple solos. I played at Salt Lake. Wow, let's see. Let, let me see if I got this right. I know I played... Yes, I played in Salt Lake. I played in Payson. That was like 09 or 2010. And then uh, and then in 20, uh, 2018 with Garden Valley. 2019? Hmm. What year is it now? Or 2020? 2020. Can't forget that, man. So 2019. 2019, I soloed twice. Hmm. Salt Lake... Payson, and then the Glen Wild. So, what are your? Uh, I mean, I'm sure is your immediate future kind of plans uh, mostly to focus on Grade Two competition with the band, or are you looking forward to doing the solo game? Are you trying to get into like a bagpipe rock band, small pies? What's what's kind of your? Yeah. What are kind of your focuses, your hopes, your dreams right now? So I want to. I I do want to get into solos. Um, I. I don't. I can't focus on it right now. Uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't have the time. I've only got so much bandwidth, right? So much time. As it stands, I have to show up to grade two, like, ready to go and on top of everything. Yeah, I'd Like, imagine. one of its, for, like, first off, it's like, I make a good impression. I'm the new guy. Um, second off is, like, I've never played at this level. And it's an entirely different commitment. And so... It's like I have to, like, not only is it harder music, it's I have to have 30 tunes ready to go. Good um, heavens. Is that hyperbole or is it literally 30 tunes? No, it's actually more. So Good it's, heavens. It's 30 tunes that are, like, unique to us. And then there's all the mass band stuff, which I don't really, I wouldn't say I don't count, but, like, that's not something I even play at rehearsal or is on my mind. But... I've wondered there, before, though, like with a grade two band, is there any emphasis put on playing those mass band tunes uh, like all the same? Because, you know, like most bands, you just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, you don't yeah. really have to play it all the same. You just got to play it. 
I know what you're saying. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like when I when I got in, um, we used Green Hills as a warm up tune and also as a tuning tune and mm. exercise. That makes sense. There's a lot of top hand in there. That makes sense. Yeah. So and and like the bottom, um, yeah. The f- sing it for me. Let's see. Sing it for you. Go on. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good voice. How about this? I'll I'll play a little bit. I have my chanter right here. Except that was, you know, cold hands, and that's pretty crappy. Oh, you don't even make excuses. That sounded great. That was grade two right there. Let me, right, right. Let me switch out to a a different read, different chanter. Is that even Grease Hills? For all I know, that's probably Battles Over. No, or Barren Rocks, or yeah. no. Anyway, but um, <laughs> so so we played we yeah we use that to tune because uh, you got the first part and the second part and we make a little splice rearranged tune specifically that we just use to test bottom and top hands. Mm. But um, yes, I remember playing Green Hills right from the get go, and they were like, "Okay, we play it like this. You're playing it wrong." Okay, Ooh. sounds good make the correction but that was kind of like the extent of it and it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because like um i was shadowing i was i was Stuart little's steward right just like you have a steward at the games for the judge right. so a couple of weeks ago uh for an online session i was Stuart little's steward and that's he, fun yeah, it was cool. It was a very, very cool experience. I mean, it's cool. It's also cool to say that you're the Stuart Steward. Stuart Little Stuart. Yeah, the Steward to Stuart Little. I'm the little Steward for Stuart Little. <laughs> but um, I remember him saying uh, to a group that he was talking to that sometimes when Inverine District plays those masked band tunes, it's pretty embarrassing for him as the pipe major of... Oh, really? Like, those weren't the exact words. I forget exactly what he said, but that was the feeling that he was getting off. Like, he was saying, like, it made him cringe or, like, it hurt his ears or something like that. Something along the lines of, like, yeah, sometimes, even though it's super easy, people just kick back and they're like, I'm phoning this one in. I've got it. Right? So, and sometimes that happens, yes. Well, that's comforting, honestly, because now I feel like we're in really good company. <laughs> yeah. We're just so, like yeah, in sometimes it's like that with so. the band. Right? But, um... But so outside of like those common tunes, we've got 30 tunes that I have to get ready. So yes, I want to solo. And I uh, I think that, I, I guess I have a personal goal to get to a grade one solo level. That's my current goal. And perhaps that will evolve as I go down the road. But more than, like even right now, I'm playing with a grade two band, but I don't know if I would consider myself a grade two piper until... I get a couple of judging sheets that put me playing at grade level, mm. right? Yeah, I'm, and so, I, I have wondered about that, if that changes as you go up through the grade levels, because in general, with grade five, you'll have a mixture of, you know, probably grade three to grade five soloists playing in a grade five band. But it seems to me like once you hit grade four, a lot of your pipers are going to be grade three soloists. Grade three, a lot of them are going to be grade two soloists. You know, in general, 
and maybe this is an incorrect perception of my own, but it seems like in general, you're going to solo a grade above where your band playing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, but maybe that's I, not the case once you get to grade two. Um, I think it's a good rule of thumb, but not don't don't carve it in stone, right? Sure, sure, sure. Because like, and that's definitely how we are. Like we ha- we have we've got grade one pipers. Um, we've got. I don't know that anyone in our band is. I don't think anyone's open. Hmm. But Ross and Justin, I mean, they might deny it. But there are a couple people that I've talked to in our band that are like, yeah, dude, Ross and Justin, they're probably open-level pipers, but they're not open-level on paper, right? Sure, sure. They could and, be, uh, but they're, like, they're just focusing you know, on other stuff or something. It's by choice that so they're not playing in open. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, like, so like Justin, Justin got invited to the amateur Nickel Brown this year. And, I mean, high prestige. Like That's yeah. a high achievement. He didn't ask to go. He got invited <laughs> exactly, to go. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. And... um. But like he has to go through this debate, right? Does he go open? And if he does, now like there's only so many of those competitions around. So he actually he needs to go travel to places to actually compete. It's like he can't just walk in at Salt Lake and be like, "Yo, I'm gonna sign up and I'm gonna solo." It's like yeah, Salt Lake doesn't offer open. Right. You can well, solo I mean, grade one, but you're not a grade one piper. You're an yeah, open piper. So it's hard enough fair. to find grade one competitions anyway. And even yeah. that field is so small that it can be frustratingly. So, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, even at Salt Lake, he might walk in there and there are plenty of years where he'd be one of two, maybe three who are competing. And so it's like, yeah, you kind of want to see a larger field for sure. Right. So, so I think some people's ability can be there and then it's just like, no, I can't make that commitment or it's, it's too much red tape or like too many things to think about. So, but anyway, um, but I, but we do have high level pipers beyond a grade two level playing with us. We have grade one pipers. We have Ross and Justin who, like I say, I've got bandmates telling me, yeah, they're open. I don't know enough. I haven't, I only hear them at rehearsal when we're all playing together. So, uh, yeah. But, um, and who uh, am I to be a judge, right? Well, I, man, I, I, I just, as an outsider looking in at Wasatch and District, there are so many things about the, the group that it just, it seems like an El Dorado of bagpiping, you know? It's, <laughs> it's massive and seems to be very well oiled in the way that it functions, you know? moving from one band to the next. Like there are a lot of systems in place. Yeah. There are full music boards, etc. And then you add to that this level of playing, you know, this individual level of talent. It's uh I'm really happy that you're able to be there. It sounds Thank you. I'm happy to be cool. there. It's a lot of fun. But like like you should there are things. I walked into the system and I was like, man, they have some things figured out. Yeah. Right? But at the same time and I've, and I've heard this from people that are much better than me and people that are playing at grade one band level. Every band struggles with a lot of the same things. So part of the thing I was sitting through with Stuart Little, um, it was, it was all, it was a two day workshop. It was all geared toward leadership, toward pipe majors, pipe sergeants, drum sergeants, and like group after group. It was like groups of three people, right? So it was very, very, Oh, directed. I remember this training, man. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to sign up for it. I was like, man, yeah. I wonder if Garden Valley could get us in there. But even before I could even suggest it, it was filled up. Like that filled yeah. right up. So, but like you would be surprised, like every group of three, like which is basically every band that signed up, every group of three is coming in with like the same thing. Hmm. Like I'm having a problem getting everybody out to rehearsal. <laughs> or I I'm don't have any problems drummers. with like people not showing up with their stuff together. 
Yeah. And, you know, whether that's music memorized or... Or uniform in- parts or uniform uniforms parts, that are ironed. Instrument maintained, like every band. So, like, yes, one of the, like... One of the things I'll point out about Wasatch, right, is they've organized themselves very much like a corporation in the yeah. sense that, like, there's all these roles to fill and, like, everyone's got different responsibilities. And I get it. Part of that is you have a bunch of people that are so motivated that they're practicing, like, every day and they're becoming better at piping and they love the culture and so then the grade one or grade two piper and and they just they've their entire life revolves around pipes and so when it's like hey do you want to volunteer to be a leadership in this piping organization and further the piping culture and and then it's like you have a, a bunch of volunteers but then they have the same problems right sometimes they don't have enough volunteers like everyone's got the same problems yeah. right and um, there might be matters of scale, of course, where, you know, yeah. where like with Garden yeah. Valley, where we're smaller, you know, we might be like, well, if we had like, we need one or two more people to fill positions on these boards. But then Wasatch and District might have a dearth of a dozen people since they're just a lot more, there's a lot more people, a lot more, more bodies yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you still have people that are showing up, not with their stuff together. So like never yourself, of course, the grass is always greener, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like I am playing at, at that grade two band and that is awesome. And I love it. And that, I mean, on paper that says that the band is at a different level of playing than a grade four band. So in that sense, I wouldn't say the grass is greener, right? But like, don't think that they have no problems. Sure. sure, You know, it's like, I mean, I remember a couple weeks ago, it's like, Hey guys, your blowing sucks. Nobody's <laughs> confident in their music, and so they're all easing back on the pressure. And your drones are going everywhere, and people are choking out. And then we have big clingers where somebody throws a big fat low G in there when we're up on the top hand, and mm. like the problems exist, you know. Mm-hmm. But so as far as soloing goes, I cannot. I just can't. I don't have the time right now. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you'd have the time. To have man. all my stuff together, to learn yeah. 30 tunes and to have them all confident up at that grade two level and then work on my solo stuff, right? And I do not feel... I do not feel good if I walk up to Salt Lake or wherever we compete and it's like, I'm going to go lay down my three solo tunes and, you know, my pipe major sitting back there like, your three solo tunes, you've been working on those? Because, like you only have one of the two MSRs figured out. Right, you know I mean? right, yeah. So. You can't be like, goal. whoa, these are solo tunes that I knew from before. <laughs> That's right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, man, um, do you have any, like, pre-performance ritual that you go through um, night before, day of, you know, be it to do with music or memorization or uniform parts or anything like that, any sort of stuff that you like to do before you go out to solo or to play with a band, whether it's competition or otherwise? Mm, I think I don't have any like traditions. I definitely can't sleep. I get wicked nervous. Mm. Um, I tell you, like I don't have a lot of solo experience and I can already see as I learn and grow and do things better. I know that like I've done some major no-nos like playing 
every five minutes for an hour and a half before I go on. Yeah. It's like, you know, like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I have an hour and a half. I got to get my pipes out. got to put them together. I got to make sure there's no problems. And mm-hmm. so I do that. Good. Except that's a sour note. So uh, I put my pipes down and then I pick them back up after five minutes. And I'm like, okay, let's fix that sour note. And then I do that. And then it's like, okay, set them down. And then like five minutes later, it's like, let's check them, make sure I'm not drifting out of tune. And I check them. And then it's like five minutes later, it's like, let's play again and let's, let's work out that last part I was having problems with. My hands are still kind of cold. And I do this every five minutes for an hour and a half. Right. And by the time it comes to play, it's like, my pipes sound like crap. Not that they don't sound like crap, but like. They sounded it, better an hour before, right? Yes. Yeah. This is something I'm learning and it's, it's now 20 years in the learning process, right? Yeah, your pipes, your pipes get into your, your your pipes get in sounding good at that twenty minute mark, mm-hmm. maybe twenty five if you if it takes a long time for your pipes to settle, and you've got from about twenty minutes of playing to about forty minutes of playing, and then they start losing that that shine, right? And like yeah. you might still be able to to be in tune and. Your reed isn't totally squeaky squawky because you've got some moisture in there, and so it's it's vibrating and stuff like that. But just as you become, you know, it's the same thing when you listen to all the grade one bands compete at Worlds. The more experienced you are in in piping or understanding what you're listening to or or the music in general, you start picking out more subtleness, right? Mm-hmm. So as I'm continually trying to get better, I'm learning more and more of this subtleness in sound and tone. And I look back now and it's like, oh, I've, I've lost all that subtleness. Yes, I can get my pipes in tune, but I'm tired, my lips are loose, and I've lost a little bit of the sparkle out of the instrument. So like that, I mean, that's a no-no that I, I used to do that a lot. And so like, I'm really focusing on that more recently mm-hmm. in like, do not overplay, do not overplay, do not overplay. But the other thing is like, I would say if if there's some, something I'm going to do again that I haven't done, like this year has been crazy too, right? We haven't done any solos all year. So I've, I've learned a ton um, that year with Garden Valley, moved on to play with the grade two and I've learned a ton with grade two. And then I haven't been able to implement those in a competition setting yet. Mm. So one of the things though that I wanted to uh, to make mention of is when I was getting ready to try out for Wasatch is grade two, I started playing um, five or six times a week for about 40 minutes. And, and it and doesn't we're have to- up on your pipes, right? Yes, on the actual pipe instrument, not the practice channel. And I mean, I did it for a couple of reasons. Like one, I went to all cane drone reeds. And two, I switched out to a, a leather bag, specifically a goat skin bag. Um, but, and and so they say, they say that goat is more similar to sheep than it is cowhide. And so sheep, you need to keep the moisture level like consistent, don't let your bag dry out, put time and, and moisture into it every day. Same with cane drone reeds. 
You want to keep a constant humidity level. You don't want them to fluctuate up and down, up and down, up and down, or like dry and wet, dry and wet. So that was part of my motivation. And then two, it was like, I need to work out my MSR. I'm competing with my MSR. So it's just like, I just drilled those three tunes every single day. And I was recording myself. And like those six weeks, my piping improved so extremely, like dramatically, more, 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 more words that I described that I don't know because I'm not English, right? How's You're that for a sentence? <laughs> I hope Sean loves that one, right? So, so is that a plug so for much. the uh, is that a plug for the Andrew Douglas uh, 100 day challenge? Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, like, yeah, yeah, do it. No, but like for sure. But like, here's the point. If I didn't do any of that, let's say I totally was not doing what I'm supposed to. And I wasn't playing every day. If I was going to prepare myself for competition, I would start one week before and I would play like 20 minutes. Let's say I'm competing Saturday. I'd start Monday at the latest, right? If not Sunday. And I would go 20 minutes on my pipes. And then Tuesday, I'd go 20 minutes on my pipes. Even if it's not to hash out your music and work out troublesome spots. Mm. Maybe you're like, I can't improve in a week. It doesn't matter. Just putting humidity. Like, I don't even care about. I, I think there's probably something to be said to get your reeds actually vibrating. But mm. at the very, very, very minimum, if you just put 20 minutes of hot, humid breath through your instrument and your reeds if you did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you came on Saturday, your instrument would be in a completely different state. Like mm -hmm. the stability of your reeds, the airtightness of your bag. Like this is something. When you play a sheepskin bag and your bag dries out and you go to play, it's hard because the pores aren't as sealed up. And then you put 15 minutes of moisture in there and the leather soaks it up tightens up and all of a sudden your bag's airtight again. So I guess all I'm trying to emphasize is there's such an extremely like large amount of instrument quality or maintenance or however you want to word it that has to do with consistently putting moisture through your instrument. Mm. Right? So like if I did nothing else, just try to get time on your instrument now. And that's not even to talk about like the improving of your playing. Cause as you improve, or excuse me, as you play every day, of course you're going to improve your ability. Yeah. Your fingers will like, get more dexterous, your lung capacity, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But like I would, I, you know, a couple weeks before I just make sure my maintenance is on point. Everything's tight. Like it should be, everything's dialed in air efficient. And then I would just keep the humidity going, going. Mm -hmm. I think about like things we did in the old days, when I was really young, like we'd get ready for competition. So it was like practice every day or I should say rehearsal, right? Meet as a band and rehearse every day. And we did it Monday and we did it Tuesday and we did it Wednesday and we did it Thursday. And then Friday was either travel day or we just took a break because we'd done so much. Yeah. I look back now and it's like things are dialed in by Thursday, you know, people's instruments, they've had moisture in and they're good. If you've had moisture problems, you've, figured it out like maybe you have to let your reed dry out a little bit maybe you have to 
nuke your kitty litter in the microwave. Maybe you had to open up your drone reeds because they're collecting moisture and, and shutting off. By Thursday, you've got to figure it out. And then we would take Friday off and just let everything dry. And then disaster on Saturday. Because mm. you just lost the consistency. Had all that, all that momentum, all that run up. Mm-hmm. And then those 24 hours of nothing. Yep. Just kill it all. Yep. I mean, like when you look at like Yori Chisholm, he's got those, that new product of his that's, um, it's a channer cap that maintains a consistent humidity level. And the same thing like the Piper's Pal, like there's products out on the market that are designed to maintain consistent humidity for right. a reason because your pipes sound better. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's the might... same reason we warm up before we tune. Like part of it's heat. You know, as we add more heat, it gets sharper, but part of it is that moisture getting back into that cane reed. You think this is something that maybe isn't as much of a worry in a humid place like the British Isles, but in a place like high of high, you know, in the high desert, like in Utah, it's like particularly important just because things dry out so quickly and so completely. I mean, I haven't played anywhere where I've stayed. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I've traveled two places to play but I've never been somewhere away from you to like with my pipes for like a week or two weeks, three weeks to see how my instrument reacts. Nor did I have the knowledge when I was that young. Cause like, I guess I have gone to Seattle for a week with my pipes, things like that. But I do know that people above my level, you know, grade one pipers that I know have played in other climates around the world and they maintain their instrument differently, you know, Mm-hmm. Like my cane reeds, my my cane drone reeds. Like, I pull them out of my pipes, I stick them in with a humidity packet, and I maintain their humidity. But I know people like in that have played in Scotland. That's like, oh, I need to get my reeds out, let them dry, and make sure I'm not collecting moisture tomorrow. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I would say climate affects it. Mm-hmm. Although I just have to take the word of other people because yeah. I haven't experienced that. I have thought before about how uh, how lucky I am to have played with a with a high school pipe band. Just because, mm. I mean, when you're a teenager, you got more time. But when it's a class that's in your class schedule, so you're there at least every other day. Um, I did. I certainly didn't appreciate then just what a what a help that was to have that consistency. I mean, not only that, but you have like homework assignments and stuff like that. You know, that really keep you going. Yeah. yeah. No, I I totally agree. I mean, we've. Uh... I tried to talk a lot about that consistency on your instrument for the sake of the sound of the instrument, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I attribute a lot of where my skill level was when I was in high school to the frequency of practice, right? Yeah. I was, so let's say after I got out of the chanter class and I was in the high school, there was a point when um, I played marching band in the morning what and what did you play in marching band? Pipes, bagpipes. Oh, that's right. They were combined at the time. At that yeah. time, they were part of the marching band. Yeah. Yeah. At Payson High School, they were part of the marching band group. So we'd have early morning. We'd have uh, marching band, and then you know we had the A day, B day schedule. So let's, for the sake of making this show you how extreme piping and rehearsal was, I'm just going to say they all fell on the same day. 
So early morning, how many hours are you at that, that um, marching band? I mean, oh, I don't even remember. It's been so long ago. What time did we get there? When I did marching band in Payson, it was 5 a.m. During the school year, it was 5 to yeah. 7. So two hours. No, that wasn't for us. I mean, school start, didn't school start at 8 for us? Yeah, so about 8. I remember us ending at like 7.50. So like, I think we probably started at like 6.30. Mm. I remember, maybe that's not right. I think I remember getting picked up like 10 minutes to 6 and we were supposed to be there at 6. Who knows? At least an hour. So we play marching man in the morning. Uh, depending on if it's A day or B day, we could have a pipe class because the, there was an actual class at the high school for the band. So, so we'd have pipe class half, right? that morning. Yeah. And then I was a teacher's aide. So I would go down to the junior high and I would aid Don Smith in teaching the chanter class. So that's like it was that that would have been like 45 minutes probably yeah short schedule yeah mm-hmm. maybe maybe they did a day b day so maybe it was an hour and a half as well mm-hmm. i don't remember um we had like on fridays we did after school rehearsal so it could be that i had an after school rehearsal that same day if it was thursdays i had white peaks so i'd go to play with white peaks i had private lessons and those are the things that like I had to show up to right. and I had to do. Like this isn't like my own time I'm putting on at home practicing and learning the tunes and, and stuff like that. So like just the amount of time that I spent playing my pipes. Yeah, one day you could easily have been at eight, maybe even ten hours on your pipes. Yeah. I mean that might be a little bit extreme, but like I mean, you know, at sure, least an hour in the morning and then an hour and a half and then you're an hour and a half for yeah, there'd be at least instructing. Every... And then after school rehearsal, I mean, at least there was, there was days when it was easily six hours for sure. Mm. You know, maybe that was the same day I had a private lesson and maybe I went home and rehearsed and practiced on my own. So, yeah. But the, I guess what, you know, the point of that is a lot of practice time, a lot of practice time to get better. So, so let me try, see if I can sort of package up, uh, like a, you know, a takeaway from this, from this conversation here. For me personally, here's what I'm feeling called to, <laughs> on a on a spiritual level with my bagpiping. <laughs> Consistency is key. 100%. And like, you know, you know, Ruben actually brought this up when he was talking about playing the drums as well. Sort of his advice was, even if it's only five minutes every day, you know, something, do at least something every day. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't that part of Andrew Douglas's 100 Day Challenge thing? Is that like it doesn't matter how long, as long as it's something every day. I think his is one tune, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So consistency wants... is key. Yeah. And yeah. the second thing that I feel like I'm hearing out of all of this is you've got to love the process because that's probably good advice for anything in life. If you're focusing on a goal, you know, it's hard to get there. When you get there, then there's nothing to do after that. So yeah. you've got to learn to love the process. But also, maybe especially with bagpipes, so much of what is that moment of performance or that moment of competition is in the background in the days, weeks, and even months leading up to that moment. Like a really obvious thing would be on competition day when you see the band, you know, spends way more time tuning than they actually spend playing. You know, there's way more prep than there is show. But it extends so far beyond that. So so I, I'm thinking 
I need to be more consistent in my playing. I need to love that process. You know, find things that I really enjoy about yeah. fine-tuning the drones. and. I mean, that's what it was for me, right? Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I learn and I grow and I change my opinion on things. But when you, for me, loving the instrument, loving the music, the culture, the friendship, the competitions, people walking around with Irish dogs at a Scottish festival with fake Scottish accents. I mean, I like it. <laughs> so it, it makes it easy to consume my time and put in that consistency. But like, I think, I think people can get really good and consistent at something that they don't absolutely love. And maybe that makes them miserable. Maybe they just put up with it. Maybe they're just indifferent to it. So I wouldn't say that's the hard, fast rule, but like I would think that loving something makes it that much easier. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, if I've talked to you before, not on the podcast, um, about uh, a guy I know, um, he's a professor at Stanford. His name is BJ Fogg and he talks about habits and like, you know, I, I hope I get to sit down with you again and do like however many more, six more, 12 more episodes of this and you can get into different aspects and things like that. But he's all about habits and one takeaway. If I just, I know we're, I don't know how long you want to go tonight, but like we're going for a minute. Um, yeah, we should probably wrap up soon, but uh, I definitely want to do well, at least a dozen more episodes together. So Sweet. So one thing I'll say is, is to make it easy. And that's the, that's the idea with the piping challenge, the hundred day challenge playing one tune is easier than saying like, go put it at 45 minutes on your pipes. Right, right, right. Right. When you make something easy, then you're more likely to make it consistent and, and habitual, right? A habit. Mm. It's a lot easier to find the motivation. You don't need as much motivation to like play one tune on your pipes a day versus 45 minutes. And then that plays into it, right? Once your pipes are up on your shoulder and you've already played once and the, the reed's got a little bit of moisture and so it's eased up a little bit, it's like, let's play in another tune. Yeah, let's play like, in another I got 12 out, measures. I'll play another. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that one more time, stuff like that. And then you end up playing 45 you minutes know? after all, but like, it was easier. It was the same thing. Like when I talked about the six weeks where I was playing six days a week, getting ready for Wasatch, it was like, I made things easy on me. I had my pipes with me at work, and when I left, I went two blocks to a city park and played there. So it was like, it was on my way, and I had my instrument with me, and I had that time, excuse me, I had that time set apart. It wasn't like, oh, uh, because like I'm at home, right? And it's like, I don't want to play at home. Like, my parrot is going to scream. Oh, we should do a whole episode Could I be making? That's right. That's right, yeah. Am I going to be making my neighbor upset? Okay, so I don't want to play in the house, so do I go lock myself in the garage? Well, I'm in a condo. My garage is detached from my house, so i got to mm. go walk out there. Or I need to walk to my clubhouse, and I don't want to play if there's somebody at the clubhouse right, There might swimming. be a family over there or something. Yeah, like so, right? So you remove barriers, make it easier. Exactly, you make it easier, right? Like the, like the park I went to in Linden, it's like it's tucked away in some neighborhood where nobody goes. But it's a massive park. So I'd go like way out into the corner away from all the houses, like 
the park borders an industrial zone. Like they've all left because it's five o'clock. Nobody's working. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable way out there. It's two blocks from my work. My instrument's with me. And once I've gone three, four, five, six days, it's like, man, my my bag is airtight. My reeds already have moisture right when I pull them out. They sound good. And, and I'm seeing progress because I'm recording myself every day and just hammering out bits and pieces and cha-cha-cha. And then, you know, yeah. Well, it makes it more of a joy to do it too, because just because you're, yeah, by the very nature of being in that habit, it gets easier to do it the next day in so many ways. Yeah, and that's beautiful. Well, um, let's use this to kind of button up the episode. Um, sure. If money were no object, and this might change from time to time, but right now, if money were no object, what is the uh, either piece of bagpiping equipment, be it instrument or uniform or anything else, or like travel, like what's the sort of bagpipey thing that you would do right now? Oh, man. I mean, there's immediately two things on my mind. Give me both. Okay, I want to go see worlds. Sure. Okay. The other thing is... um. I have been looking at a specific set of pipes. Um, and so... Is this the set when I called you the other day? You said, uh, sorry, man, I'm window shopping. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, again, as I learn and grow and get better, I'm looking for subtleties. I'm I'm listening to different pipers' pipes and the different pipes they play and the different channel reads. And like I, Stuff I never paid attention to or could have heard the difference of when I was younger. And more inexperienced. So um, I have really, really become accustomed, not accustomed. I've really become like akin. Is that even the right word? You know what? I don't English. So I've been really liking the sound of um, old McDougal bagpipes. Mm, I've heard I that name, but I don't know if I've ever heard the pipes. Yeah. I don't know that I want to play a super old set of bagpipes. Yeah. I think I'd be nervous about taking care of them or cracking or I mean I guess part of the reason is the money right but you said money's no object right money's no object so yeah you want to take that off the the I'd say Mm. I'd say a set of McDougal's Mm -hmm. Um, what I've really been eyeing is a new reproduction set by Dunbar and Jim McGilvery Mm. Um, but I would take like an old vintage set, like 1890s, 1900. Mm, man, museum piece. Just to say, like, just to say that I had it. Oh, yeah. Because money's no to, object. Just to make it, everybody drool over it. Yeah. Yeah. Would those uh, reproduction uh, pieces be um, easier to tune up with a, with a band? So they say that, um, I, I don't, my understanding is that... Th- I've heard that can be a challenge with yeah. these older sets. They're great to play by so, yourself, but they can be difficult to tune in with modern sets. Right. So like, okay, so McDougal's, McDougal's a whole ball of wax and so are vintage pipes, right? Um, for instance, Dave Atherton has like the trademark or the copyright to use the name McDougal, mm. right? And like, even when you go shop for Jim McGilvery's and they're coming out of Canada and, and Dunbar, um, it talks about how like, they are not associated with Dave Atherton or his McDougal's, even though they're both made off of 
old vintage McDougals mm. that they've but, pulled the specs off of. Like for legal reasons, they have to clarify that there's no yeah. association and stuff yeah. like that. I don't know how close to spec they are to the originals. I always, you always hear them talking about drone bores, and I think that's a lot of what gives it their sound. Yeah. Um, Jim McGilvery's set, the contours, the the combing, the beating, everything, like that's really made to reproduce the set he had while Dave Atherton's the bore specs are the same and so in theory you get the same sound but his he does his own profiles mm. um, but I I don't know if they're making the length of the drones the exact same there there you could have that pitch difference yeah like I know that one the interior bore diameter is going to change pitch but also the length of the of the pipe yeah but that being said I don't think they would change the interior bore specs because that's what everyone's changing to get a different blend between bass and tenor. So so I don't really know mm-hmm. if they would be difficult or not to tune up. But like uh, playing cane reeds, and you can even do this with synthetic. I do things to bring up the pitch anyway, right? Like I stuff a sticky tack poster putty down the nose of my cane reed and I... I'll even trim off the end that goes up into the drone seat, mm. into the reed seat to make that anymore. entire drone reed shorter right. to bring up the pitch. Because I'm trying to get my my tuning pins lengthened out, right? I'm trying to get the tops of my drones at the tops of my tuning pins. And so I have to do things to sharpen up my cane reeds yeah, so just to get them up there. Yeah, so you have to make up for it at the other end of the drone reed, or yeah. rather of the drone. And so vintage pipes are going to be flatter um, as far as drones go. So... I would opt to alter the reed or get a set of reeds designed or made to play at that higher pitch. Sure. Rather than you know, put in the tuning the screw, stuff. shorten the tongue length, trim the reed of the body in overall length down, things like that. Okay. And I think you could make it work. I mean, there's plenty of people playing at Worlds in grade one bands with vintage pipes that are making the 482, 44, 46 pitch. So mm-hmm. not something I'd be worried about. Clearly doable without having to chop an inch off of the end of your vintage drone. Yeah. Hmm. And then, of course, they're all playing current chanters, right? Yeah. So you just got to get those drones up in pitch to match the chanter. So. Well, cool, man. Thanks again. Oh, I really appreciate it.